You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and the New York Giants might be the worst damn football team again. Welcome to the show. Grump, and to all our loyal listeners and followers, if you think last night was bad... Try being yours truly, the cranky fan, for the last three days, having to deal with a Florida Gator game that was equally as disgusting. I leave the Meadowlands early to catch a 6 a.m. flight down to St. Pete to watch a more pathetic offense than the Giants were last night in my Tampa Bay Rays. So I am triply ornery, triply pissed, triply cranky. So... We're just gonna let it fly tonight because this is a this is gonna be a show about feelings and emotions. So buckle up. Buckle up indeed. Um before we get into this disaster of a game that it was, uh we have a long night of doing stuff after having a long night last night into a long morning for you. Uh so the only way we can get through it is with some beer. Right. So during the Just Giants game review of the Giants and Seahawks, I'll be drinking beer by Fort Nonsense Brewing. And uh, why am I promoting a beer for no money at all? It's because they're a relatively small company that makes a good product and uh, they deserve to have their their uh, stuff spread by word of mouth. Not unlike yeah. this podcast. So cheers to that. And spread the word. Follow my lead and uh, spread the word about Just Giants and also Fort Nonsense Brewing. Um, this was a pretty bad game from absolutely everybody from top to bottom. So uh, I have no stars to award, but I will call out some individual performances that were okay. Uh, and I have so many farts that they're not going. That I went general. Um, so you want to start offense. Um, why don't you yeah. just launch into your thoughts here? This 24 to three loss was fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, disappointing in every possible way it could be, you know, we, um, disappointing on my level. Cause again, it was my first game actually getting to the Meadowlands, you know, after opening night, having my flights canceled and missing the Dallas debacle, you get a star. I, I, I get us. I get us. We all get stars for showing up. Me, you, uh, Justin, Snacks, all of our buddies. You know, Giants Roddy Piper. Johnny and Roddy his, Piper yep. sh- shows up from across the pond. I'm, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed for him that he made the journey out here to see that flaming pile. You know, but everybody who, who actually went, and anybody who stayed past halftime, I give a star to. Um, you know, this season. You can make a lot of excuses so far, you know, tough schedule, injuries, the offensive line, you know, this, that, and the other. But I'm sorry, with an 11-day break after the last game and playing a team that, you know, if you think you are a playoff team, you think you're a good team, you need to take care of business at home. And 
everything fell apart. This is a snowball that's out of control right now. And, you know, we understand the offensive line is what it is. We understand that it's not a good offensive line to start with. We understand the injuries and more injuries that happened during the game. We get that. We understand that, you know, our best offensive player is out. We understand that too. But you're a coaching staff, a coach that was coach of the year last year. You have to figure out things around that somehow, anyway, possible. You can't just use that as the blanket. Oh, there's nothing we can do. We can't try anything. And you're a quarterback that everybody has gambled on to this point and got a huge salary and a huge contract to be rewarded for what happened last year. You simply have to be better in the opportunities that you can succeed. Nobody's saying that Daniel Jones should have been great in that game. Nobody said that he could put up 300 yards and just hit open receivers downfield and avoid every pressure there is. But my God, when there are plays to be made, you can't look like a guy who's telegraphing everything and looking like a deer in the headlights and making critical mistakes. And that's exactly what happened. So it's just, it's very, very frustrating. I've seen this a million times in football, whether it's the NFL or college. When this shit starts going downhill, it starts going downhill really, really fast. And, you know, I'm that's just my opening statement. I'm, I'm just very frustrated because I can look, I look at two weeks, you know, I got a trip to Miami on Sunday. I'm dreading it. You know, we got a trip to Buffalo coming up in uh, 12 days, dreading that. Not supposed to be dreading road trips to see your team play. And that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. Um, so you kind of – that was strictly offense when you were talking coaching? I'm, to- I'm talking offense. I mean this game was lost okay. because right. of the offense. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I will keep things with the offense then. Uh, for starters, I, I'm I'm just shot right now. So I had a long – like these games aren't easy to schlep to. And I rail on Giants season ticket holders for – selling these seats indiscriminately uh and when i mean that i mean like if you don't go to opening day you're not really going yeah let me, let me i mean like like, like pre-selling versus not showing up for a product not worth watching are different let, things right? let me jump in really quickly because i was at the uh the rays playoff game today and they had the lowest attendance of any major league baseball postseason game in a hundred years they had i 19, saw that thousand people show up saw that you know video. something they, we are an embarrassing fan base down here. I'm not going to get into it on this show, why attendance is always shitty. If you want to do that, follow me on Twitter. But at least the fuckers down here don't even bother showing up. You Giant fans, the ones who sell your season tickets, you know, sell tickets to night games because you don't want to go and you know, have too many away fans show up, it's embarrassing. You are just as embarrassing as an empty seat at Tropicana Field. So... I'm getting that, that off my chest. Uh, I'm glad you uh, you said that. But um, so at this point going forward, um, I think it's questionable as to whether or not you want to go to games. Like you said, we have games that you're not you're not supposed to be dreading road trips. That's supposed to be like the most fun game that you go to. Yeah. Um, so 
Um, I don't blame people who were like, well, I was going to go to this game because it's the only one I can go to. Not season ticket holders. I mean just people who sure. wanted to go to games. Changing their mind. I don't blame you. Um, I'm shot. Like, these games aren't easy to schlep to. And uh, it's something that we do for teams we love. Uh, and especially teams that were supposed to be promising. But, you know, so I went there and uh, I didn't really fall asleep until 2 in the morning. And, you know, I have a normal job. So I'm just, I'm super tired. Me, me too, my man. I mean, I had a 6 a.m. flight. And so I'm actually giving a little bit of a backhanded star to the Giants for laying an egg so bad that I can leave the stadium, you know, mid-third quarter. And I can get an extra hour sleep to catch my flight down here. So, Yeah, um, and I don't blame people who left because... Yeah. Whatever, right? Uh, I would have gotten a fight, and I would have killed that Fatso uh, Seahawk fan sitting in front of us. He asked. I, I, he I, asked I where you went to. Fuck him! If you listen to this show, fat Seahawk fan sitting in front of us in section one twenty four, come find me because I will find you. Wow, that was a threat. I think. Um. So the, here's my big problem here, and it starts from the top down, uh, and I think that's like going to be the overarching thing here. It's, mm-hmm. it's all from the top down, but it's everybody. Uh, Daniel Jones did not play well. In fact, this might have been one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Uh, I don't know the stats. They're not really that important. I know he had over 200 yards passing, just barely, maybe like 50-plus running. The stats don't matter. This was an awful game. Uh, mm-hmm. Bad pocket movement, bad decision-making, bad ball placement. It was just a bad day on top of bad. Uh, a bad O-line. Like, both things can be true. Uh, and a bad O-line can make him worse as well. But nobody nobody was good on offense, in my opinion. Nobody. Um, and part of that, I think, is... At, at the coaching point, we are... We're, we're, we're predictable. Uh, we, we've we've made mistakes all over the place here. I could have told you, and I did say, don't rely on this quick game, short stuff, anything that they can just trigger and play downhill on. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. They're too slow to adjust to things. I don't think that at any point... I don't think that at any point there seemed to be any thought process that, like... There has been a year's worth of film on us, and we need to not just make the roster better, but, like, make the roster excellent. Like, don't just upgrade positions, add things that you don't already have. And you can say that Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt are, in fact, things that we didn't have, but everything else just kind of feels like an upgrade. And that's sort of like a front office thing. That's not really the point. The point is is that I could have told you the things that went wrong in this game from a play calling standpoint. We ended up getting soft. I mean, to, to some credit there, there was a lot of the running game was adhered to and until the second half was not doing poorly, I don't think. Um, but like, from a play calling standpoint, I think that we didn't run our first zone read until the third quarter. And that ended up being the pick six drive which is on Daniel Jones, but I mean, right before the halftime, we had about 99 seconds to score, 
and we called three of the weakest offensive plays. There was no sense of push it downfield, put them on their heel. There, nothing, nothing at all. You know what it felt like to me, Grump? It felt like this coaching staff, and to some extent also Daniel Jones, was under the cover of, I am so afraid of this offensive line that I'm almost paralyzed to... It's got to stop. To force something. Yeah, exactly. You can't play a game like that because if you do, you, you like you said, you're gonna, it's going to be complete tee off on your quarterback and you're going to get your quarterback killed. Never and that's mind. exactly what, what happened. Doing? And exactly. and I'm not I'm not saying that all the sacks were on the O-line and all the sacks were on the play calling. All the sacks were on everybody. DJ didn't move well in the pocket. The play calling was predictable, wimpy, bitch play calling and the offensive line was horrendous. All of those things were true all at once. I'm not going to try and say that somebody here wasn't to blame, but we continue to have some of the same things where it's just, like I said, that we're not operating off. Everyone is teeing off of our quick routes and I see zero double moves. So yes, okay, they're calling shots downfield, but they're not really calling anything creative down the field. My biggest thing with the offense at a coaching standpoint is probably at the highest level of coaching. This is probably a day ball decision only, but the lack of reps in the preseason seems to be evident to me because there is miscommunication happening on all sides of the ball. There are now for four weeks running 10 guys on the field, 12 guys on the field, Simple, simple bullshit. Timing is way off all over the place. I, I I would agree with you, but we are now into week five. And and quite honestly, you know, thinking back to the old days of what preseason used to be, and I'll even throw in there used to be four games, how many reps honestly is the first team gonna play together in, in all of those four games? They used to play three quarters of the third game. They would play okay. in the the standard was for them to play one drive in the fourth game almost the entire third game and they had a, different teams had dip varying ramp up points for the first and second game that is we had one drive of this offense together one drive in three games that but, doesn't even come close to what they used to do then but that was also like i said this is this was week 5 I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. But I I don't see how timing in any way and miscommunication – this cannot still be on the players at this point. Like it has to be a coaching thing. To me, it seems like a lack of reps thing. But it – I don't know what else – how is it that it's on everybody? All of a sudden, every single player can't communicate. All of the sudden, we only have 12 guys in the field. And I think it's really important in certain scenarios to vary your preseason approach. In this scenario, the Giants didn't exactly go on a shopping spree in terms of spending a lot of money. But they acquired a ton of new parts. Did they not? Yeah, but you know something? In hindsight, maybe the money was, maybe the money was spent on... Things that are nicest to have. Is that's irrelevant. Really need. I know what they're saying, though, but like... Uh, I mean, having, having you may be right. Parts. You may be right, but the point is, that's where they were at the beginning of the preseason. You have now a new roster that is supposedly filling a bunch of the pieces you wish you had last year, but none of them know the offense yet. 
So the lack of continued reps between guys who weren't here, and remember, they weren't good out of the gates last year either. Now, there was some still figuring out what we're trying to do with this roster. I'm a new coach. I understand all that. But I, th- I think it's fair to say that on some level of the slow out of the gates last year falls on the players being new as well as the coaches being new, right? So they didn't – you have all these new pieces coming here and pros they may be, they, they still were not – they didn't grow through all that like the players who were here last year. And now you've got integral parts of your offense or Paris Campbell and Darren Waller are your primary targets – and Wandale Robinson, who was here for half a year last year, those are your primary guys. They haven't really been in the offense the same way. It's, yeah, we're a third of the season done, though. I mean, that shit should be that shit should be looks a little cleaner because they're still practicing each week. You well, know, well, well hang on. It, it it's not a hundred percent that I will acknowledge that having a shitty O line will disrupt timing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But but it's not just that. It's not just that. O-line doesn't affect special teams, for example. The, special, the problem, that we just look completely discombobulated and just completely, you know, lost. Like we've never lined up for special teams before and you know, doing stupid things. Um, um, I'll, I'll and, give an honorable mention to Graham Gano. I thought he had a good game. Hard, hard to blame him for anything. He hit his field goal. In a game like that, Grump, I'm not giving a star to a no for something for doing. I said honorable mention. I didn't say star. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't. I and I also. I'm. Well, do you want to talk special teams, or do you want to just keep going? No, I I was just going to say. You know, I think part of this might be that losers lose is starting to creep into this into this locker room. It shouldn't happen in week four or week five, but. You know, I'd be very curious. You know, we don't have flies on the wall to say how good was practice this week, you know, and how how was preparation for the last 11, ga- uh, 11 days. I know in the college level, you hear the coaches all the time, we had a great week of practice or eh, it was not a very good week of practice. So we really don't know how these practices are going. You know, is this a team that's gelling, you know, during the week and are they are they are, are the are the reps clean? Are they are they hitting hard? Are they doing all the things they're supposed to? Or is it just like, is this team starting to get soft? Is this team starting to tune out their coaches? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it we're starting to look like a fundam, fundamentally broke team right now. Not completely, but we're starting to head down that path. And I've seen this too many times with this team. You know, we've seen it with the last three coaches. Little. We get excited in year one, and year two, shit starts falling apart. And I don't know if it's people, they read their their press clippings from last year from being in the playoffs. I don't know what it is, but this is a very, very dangerous time right now for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's... You nailed it. Um, I kind of want to pivot to defense. Can, Can I give one more fart? On offense oh, before yes. we go. Go ahead. Um, again, this is for the coaching staff. Again, for the second time in a blowout situation with their quarterback getting killed, why is Daniel Jones remaining on the field? I know the score wasn't as, you know, blowouty as the Dallas game was, but that game was over. 
And I was on the I was on the train leaving the Meadowlands, watching it on my phone, and I saw open season on a quarterback that could die. And as bad as things are right now, you know, at some point this offensive line will get healthy. Andrew Thomas at some point hamstring will heal, he'll play. Guys will get healthy. There is a we invested forty million dollars this year on this quarterback. And if he gets knocked out of a game, it's in complete garbage time. When you have an opposing coach who's fucking throwing to stop the clock so he can get the ball back for his defense to get more and more sacks, and we know what a piece of garbage uh, Pete Carroll is, it, it's just it's it, that's coaching negligence on my part again. And it's it's a trend. We've seen it twice now. I don't want moral victories. I don't want well. I want to see if we can get one drive at the end that worked, or I want to get the ball in the end zone. Fuck that. We have to look at the big picture on this team, and. He's putting his quarterback at risk again, not only physically, but mentally, too, because he's going to get PTSD from every time he drops back having five guys up his ass. I think I think decisions to pull Daniel Jones being too late can be attributed to the offense not adjusting early enough. Everything seems a step behind. Uh, and I would say you could trace some of that back to last year. I had hoped that that would be ironed out by now. I thought that that was part of like the... Mike Kafka is a first-year offensive coordinator for one. Uh, for two, this is an entirely new staff being put together on the fly. Three, they're adjusting to a brand-new roster. Everybody's new with each other. I thought after a year that that process was going to change. We weren't going to be seeing zero adjustment drive-to-drive. Drive. And I keep seeing the same thing where it's like the adjustments don't happen until halftime. And when you don't start the half with the ball, which I understand is up to chance, but when you don't start the half with the ball – and your defense doesn't do anything to really slow anything down. You don't get the ball till there's only seven minutes left in the third quarter, and that's when you finally put a drive together. That's a problem. And I thought that we would be done with that, and we're not. Uh, so I, I agree with you, but I'm at least torn on it in this game because mathematically they are still in it. And uh, Five minutes left in the fourth quarter, that game's over. Yes, and I, 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 and I agree with you. I agree with you there. But I'm not talking about benching Daniel Jones because he's not playing. I understand. Well no, I understand what you're saying. I and at five minutes, I agree with you. It's that's just that's before that. About. That's what I'm talking. I'm not talking about this second half. I'm talking about that game is over. I'm on the. I'm on the train. I'm. I'm getting ready to pull in the caucus. You know, Joe Buck and, and Aikman are having their fucking comedy show at our expense with everything possible. And every time there's a play, when they stop their their chuckle hour, oh. There's Daniel Jones getting drilled again. Oh, there he is getting knocked again. That game's over, and you got to get your you, you get your most valuable asset out of there. And that's twice they haven't done it. I'm gonna flip the defense. Go ahead. Uh, so for starters, I've seen the narrative and heard the narrative that the defense didn't lose this game. Everybody lost this game. Everybody was bad. I will acknowledge that we saw. Uh, I'll say that we saw Micah McFadden continued to play the way he was playing last week. Um, I think that that's pretty good. I think that we saw the obvious influence of what an Aziz Ojolari can do with this defense when you have a speed rusher on the opposite side of Kayvon that elevates them. And I think that's about all I truly, truly saw. Bobby Okereke had some splash plays but was inconsistent as hell. Um, yeah. Everybody who's saying that this is entirely on the offense or that the defense didn't lose this game are fucking 
need to readjust their compass on where the standard is here. This was a Seattle offense that was just as banged up as ours. And if you tell me that our defense looked anything like the defense they had on the field, you're kidding yourself. We yep. didn't. We they absolutely didn't. Drew Locke had a decent showing on the field. So they were as injured as us, but actually even worse. Worse. Um, they had four offensive linemen out. They had a backup quarterback in for, for stretches. It, and there, there's no excuse. And so anything that you saw that was good, like there were a ton of batted passes. Um, obviously, we got a couple of sacks in this game. Keep that in context. This was not the same open season for us as it was for them. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Uh, so I I don't have a whole lot of good to say about the defense, unfortunately. Also, you know, my worst fears of uh, DK Metcalf just salivating at how he could out-physical Deontay Banks absolutely 100% came true. Uh, we saw it with the catch that was ruled he had stepped out of bounds first. He had just kind of shoved him off of him. And that whole rest of the drive, he just continued to do the same thing until it resulted in a touchdown. Um, it That's... I don't. I am maintaining my sane human being criticism of Deontay Banks. He's a rookie. It's. I think it's the hardest position to come in as a rookie, other than quarterback, and just play. Uh, so I, I don't have a huge problem with him as a player in the way that he played the game. He didn't play well, but like I can't really blame him for just being a rookie. Um, tackling still an issue. That's still not been Ugh. fixed. God. Um, I will say that the defense kept their end of the bargain in the context of the game. In the larger context of what is this team, the defense, to me, continues to look as it did in the first three games, which is quite literally not good enough. That's my thoughts on the defense. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the way this, you know, how broken this offense is right now, the defense has to be great. And... We were told with this Wink Martindale offense that it is to cause chaos for a quarterback. And I didn't see quarterbacks that are under chaos. I saw quarterbacks that could do whatever they wanted to do. Now, their level of success, you know, that's execution. But I don't see the exoticness I was told was going to be. You know, that pass rush we all thought was going to happen was few and far between. Again, they had four off. Offensive linemen out. We've been bitching about we having you know three and four offensive linemen out. So do they. And if you watch that game, if you didn't, you went into that game, you know, watching who just watches one football game a week and it's just Monday night football. And I didn't tell you anything. You would you would never know that both teams had a similar situation on on, on their offensive lines. It just um, you've. We, we, we got to convert that. We got to cause turnovers. We're not doing that. We're not causing, you know, putting harassing quarterbacks the way we should be. And that's that's what this defense was supposed to be. That That's the bill of goods we were sold at Wink Martindale. And um, we're paying for it right now. I think that there's a possibility, and I'm not willing to go down this road yet, but there's a possibility that they just misevaluated what Cordell Flott is. Um, Cordell yeah. Flott, to me, has always looked like he was a natural at the outside corner. 
I am not the kind of person who pays attention at the college level so hyper-focused school by school to know that this is true or not. But I do recall reading that he was recruited and coached to be an outside corner, but due to injuries in his junior year, he was forced to continue playing in the slot. He was supposed to succeed Derek Stingley. Um, And he was forced to play in the slot in the final year. And then he declared, because it looked like LSU might be on the downtrend, I believe that was the year uh, Coach O got fired midseason, right? Yeah, yep. So, you know, predictably, he left early despite playing out of position in his last year. And they keep trying to hammer him into the slot. And to me, it never looked like he was comfortable there. And I think that on some level, they thought, well, he was a rookie. We'll keep at it. And that is what it is. And I think now they're at the point where, like, shit, he's not a slot corner. Because they've now put themselves where a Dory Jackson, you put... One of your highest paid players, whether or not he's your best corner or the best roster, to sit, whatever it is, he's one of the highest paid players on your team. He's and your season veteran back there for and, anything else. And you're playing him out of position. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look as good in the slot. I mean, he doesn't look as good in the slot to me as he does on the outside. And I understand that with the roster they have, Wink Martindale is choosing to put the best three corners he has on the field. Because Darnay Holmes and Cordell Flott are not cutting it in the slot. And you can get away with a Dory Jackson. I just think the whole thing is a net negative. Like, it brings down your entire cornerback room. And I think that there was a mis-evaluation of a player there, perhaps. Maybe. It's speculation on my part, but it seems to be that way. Um, You got anything else in the defense? I mean... I felt better about the defense as the game was going along, but then the more I started thinking about the more, like, kind of, again, a game that was close, even though with all the the problems having with the offense, you have to, you have to do something to step up. You have to somehow cause turnovers. You have to, some like those disruptions, and we're just not getting it yet. Kayvon had an interception in his hands and dropped it. So some level of losers lose, or yeah. are, are we, does this team just suck? Well, I was going to lead off the uh, the show if, if the Rays would actually won. I had a whole different thought. My initial question was going to be you, Grump, is as of week five, is this the worst team in the league? I don't know. That's for another show. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, it's, you don't have to answer it right this moment, but they're certainly in the conversation. Um, I want to switch to special teams for a very specific reason. I got one, too. I got a big fart coming up, so go ahead. All right, so I have... I'm th- these guys are going to share this fart for me. Um, okay. This is Eric Gray gets a fart, and mm-hmm. the coaching staff gets a fart. And it's a shared fart. It's one collective stinky mess. Look, there's a lot of problems with the special teams here, right? Like, there were tons of penalties. Punt coverage wasn't fucking good. There were there were problems all over the place. Nothing was good other than Graham Gano hit what he... He hit a field goal. That's what he was doing. It was a long one. It was over 50 yards. Congratulations. Don't care. Um, I'm going to start with returner. Last year, the worst coaching decision made was what? Oh, Dory Jackson being back there for punts. And I think the coaching staff knew that at the time. Mm-hmm. They decided not to address the position in a twofold fashion. They have... They didn't go out and get anybody for the position, which is, I guess, understandable. Um, 
No, it's not. No. no. They, they, they didn't get anybody to get it. And then they didn't get a backup plan either. So they had a couple guys in camp that could have been there. Khalil Pippleton, Jaden Mickens. Those guys could have done it. They are those guys. They were there. They chose not to bring in a big name guy. And that's okay. But you got to have somebody and you got to have a backup plan. Here we are. And instead, we made a bad decision at running back in the draft. We had to – I guess we were afraid he was going to get taken from us. I, I don't know who, who thought that was going to happen. And even if so, is there not a better running back next year? I mean it was, is it such a hot commodity that you're worried is going to develop into the best running back ever? Hang on, hang on. Just give me five seconds. Just give me five seconds. You can jump in. But so you've shoehorned him into the roster now. You gave him a job and he can't do the job. So now you've benched him, and the only backup plan you have is the worst coaching decision that you made last year. And is it any surprise that Adoree Jackson is choosing not to field any punts in a contract year when he tore his ACL fielding one punt last year? Is it any fucking surprise? You may jump in now. I'm sorry. It's my fart. I mean, yeah, you're going back to Eric Gray. I mean... Is there a market out there for a running back that can't pass block, doesn't show really anything you know, once the ball gets handed off to him and he can't catch or do what he's supposed to do in special teams? Maybe there was a market that we were afraid of. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean – Well, my thing is I, I, is I, that I'm like – I'm seeing more of a theme here of some of the things you're saying tonight. And, again, that might be on that episode when we talk about is this the worst team in the league and you know what's the, uh, the future of this team. But that's a couple of whiffs now on guys that we spent draft picks on and miss uh miss evaluations by this um this front office i'm not gonna say that and first of all so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go down the road of analyzing draft picks from either of the last two draft classes yet at a point where we're calling whiffs yet but if we are gonna call eric gray a whiff i don't care if we whiff on a fifth rounder that's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and also, it's is it. It may not be a total whiff if you've just put yourself in the position where it's like, you know, Eric Gray may develop into a player that is serviceable for a team, and there just wasn't a roster spot this year. The way the roster shook out after camp. I mean, did you think anything about Jayshon Corbin truly before preseason? No. Did you think anything about Gary Brightwell before? No, me either. So we we said we thought he was going to be gone, you know, before training camp started. Remember, we thought he'd be absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay, but also like you know, he might develop whatever. It it didn't it didn't work out in a way where they could keep him this year and keep the best players, where they could just keep a guy who could develop. They chose not to try and slide him on the practice squad. But even if he goes, seriously, did we think that he was going to develop into a top five running back or something like that? That it wouldn't be something that we could just throw another fifth round draft pick next year? I, I didn't really ever foresee him replacing Saquon Barkley. And by the way, you're not going to. You're going to get someone maybe that's a game changer at running back. They're not going to be exactly the same as Saquon Barkley. You're going to have to spend something high for something like that. As much as we clown on the position, it just is like that. The big difference between the top five running backs and the middle, there is a big difference there. Just remember when 
you know, you see a running back come out of like the fourth or fifth round and all of a sudden is, you know, well, who is this guy? What a steal in the draft. Blah, blah, blah. Those are exceptions to rules. Those are not the norms. When you're digging that deep down for a, a running back, you know, the hit rate is going to be pretty, pretty low. So I think the siren call when people say, well, we, you can get a running back in the fifth round and, you know, look, he could be a starter and he can, you know, get a thousand yards with a good offensive line. No, no. I mean, unfortunately, people have just all sorts of opinions about running back where you can't waste a high draft pick on a running back. And they just think they can pick one. You know, they grow on trees, get anybody, you can stick them in there. And it's just, I don't know. I just, um, we had our doubts from day one with him and we, we saw him in camp and we weren't thrilled in, 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 in the preseason. And now he's just, he's useless. There's, there's nothing you can say. Well, at least he does this. Well, he's he, he's worse than useless because he's not just taking up a 53-man roster spot. He's also, because they had to give him a job, he's now taking up an active slot. Now, right now, we're fairly unhealthy, so that's not a big deal. But pretending that we're fully healthy, that's a guy who has to be dressed on game day now. Even yeah. though he's the worst of the 53 people on the team. Yeah. I mean, what is he going to do? He, you can't even tell him go out there and just fair catch a ball. No, because he can't do He's diving at it and shit. Right? And not right? for nothing. That's what I mean. Literally I just stand there. The ball comes to you. Catch it. We can't trust him to do that. You can't trust him to do one of the most basic bodily functions on a football field. I don't know what to tell you. The, and, and the other thing, it's, it's hard to give him 100% blame for being shitty at something like that because it's not really his job ever. I don't believe he ever was a punt returner. But because they made their own decisions, he just became one. And it's not like he showed promise and was like doing well in the preseason that it was like, well, it's kind of his fault that he could do it and now he can't. He never was good at it. So it's hard to be 100% mad at him. This is entirely a coaching roster decision mishap, in my opinion. You totally fucked this up because you've made a bad decision to address the position, and then you made a worse decision to not even have a fucking backup plan for what was already a prayer of a plan. Terrible decision-making. Yep. I've got nothing else. I think we just... <laughs> I don't know what I want to think right now. It's like, well, let's just turn the page on it and move on. But guess what? We've turned the page now and just say, I don't want to think about that game too much this year. And we are going into a real gauntlet the next two weeks. And we're going to come out of that other side. You know, this is the NFL and crazy shit happens. But one in five is staring us in the face. And, you know... If this defense, if if this offense continues to be the way it is, you know, I am worried about a locker room where the defense is starting to start blaming and pointing fingers at the offense, and all these things happen, and this can get really, really ugly, really, really quickly. So, you know, we have a coach of the year, his job, not just X's and O's, not just bringing in his scheme, not just hiring people, is they ha he has to grab this team by the balls, and. Keep them focused and keep them together because it's going to get really bad. This is going to be his biggest test. Bigger test than going to Philly in the playoff game last year. Uh, bigger test than not having Andrew Thomas. It's keeping this team because I don't even want to know what it's going to be like if we're in getting into December and this team is looking at draft picks as opposed to, you know, 
even seeing a playoff spot with binoculars. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. We have a, our first quick first quarter of the year recap episode coming out tomorrow at our normal 9.30 time, but on our abnormal uh, Thursday morning. Uh, and then following that, we will have our preview episode for Sunday's matchup against the Miami Dolphins at our normal Friday 9.30 a.m. time. So be sure to subscribe and um, like and follow the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And, of course, YouTube. And to, of course, tell a friend as we uh, as we drink together to make it through this season as it may move forward. There's plenty of our stuff to continue as the season moves forward. You know, three three episodes in one week, four episodes in one week for this week. Yeah, if you want to start also a GoFundMe for me not to go to any more games because of my mush status, hit me up at the Cranky Fan on Twitter and I'll accept all sorts of payment to keep me to stay home. So uh, be sure to subscribe because we have a bunch of stuff coming out this week, including that extra episode, like I said, which is coming out tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. New episode. Awesome. Uh, We will see you guys all next time. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.